Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. The Lenten season continues. Christians around the world are observing Lent and focusing more on Jesus. Today we tackle an important subject that has impacted thousands of us here in Hawaii and probably billions around the world. Depression. As you'll hear, it's been made worse by the coronavirus pandemic. You're going to hear a deep personal message from First Pres Executive Director Chris Pan. We're beginning a new sermon series today on Lent. Lent is the 40-day period from Ash Wednesday to Easter. For the next few weeks, we'll be focusing on Lent. So, what is Lent? I'll tell you what Lent is not. Lent is not a 40-day Christian diet like keto or Atkins, where you give up carbs or sweets to get into bathing suit shape. Lent is not a 40-day period of self-improvement, where you try to drop some bad habits or pick up some good ones. Lent does involve fasting and self-denial, but that's not the purpose of Lent. Lent actually means spring, the spring season. Lent is when we leave winter behind and prepare for the new life of spring. It's when we are invited out of the darkness of winter and into the light and new life of Easter. We all, as a planet, have been through a long, dark season during this global pandemic. It has been a time of overwhelming disruption and loss and grieving. Lent is a time for us to reflect and prepare in anticipation for Jesus' resurrection at Easter. The prophet Hosea writes this, Come, let us return to the Lord, for it is he who has torn, and he will heal us. He has struck down, and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up, that we may live before him. So today, you are invited out of the darkness, out of a long winter. Let's return to God, and let's journey with Jesus Christ into spring and to the resurrection. Let's look today at the story of the prophet Elijah from the Old Testament book of 1 Kings. In particular, I want to reflect on Elijah's struggles with mental health and God's care for Elijah. In doing so, I want to reflect today on our own mental health and God's care for us. As we go through our sermon today, ask yourself these two questions. What is God saying to me? And what does he want me to do about it? Ask yourself, what is God saying to me? What does he want me to do about it? I wanted to spend time today focusing on mental health because we've not only been in a global COVID pandemic, we are in a global mental health pandemic. Before the pandemic, about 15 to 19% of adults in the US experienced symptoms of anxiety or depression. By June of last year, four months into the pandemic, that number jumped to 31%. By December of last year, more than 42% of people surveyed by the CDC reported symptoms of anxiety or depression. The mental health burden is heaviest among young adults. 63% of those aged 18 to 24 reported symptoms of anxiety or depression. Pediatric emergency room admissions for school-aged children and teenagers experiencing mental health issues were up by 31% last year. According to a different survey by the Kaiser Family Foundation, 51% of fathers and 70% of mothers of school-aged children and teenagers reported that stress and worry from the pandemic have had adverse effects on their health, like problems with sleep, appetite, headaches, stomach aches, or difficulty controlling their temper. 
If this is not you, it is somebody you love or work with or know. We've all experienced almost a full year now of living with chronic stress. As my own therapist said to me, we can handle three months or six months, but 11 months and counting will strain even the healthiest person. I saw this picture online of a brick and I loved it. Someone put that little piece of yellow tape on a broken brick trying to fix it. I don't know about you, but I really identify with this picture. I feel like I've been trying to hold it all together with a tiny piece of tape. I'm going to come back to this picture later on in the sermon, so watch out for it. Don't miss it. In the face of these very troubling statistics about mental health, what gives me comfort is the fact that these challenges are not new or unique to us. Our God is aware of our struggles. In fact, the Bible is full of people who also struggled, like us, with sorrow and despair and loneliness and depression. King David writes in Psalm 42, Day and night I have only tears for food. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Naomi, from the book of Ruth, asked to change her name to Mara, which means bitterness, because her life was so full of bitterness. The prophet Jeremiah is nicknamed the weeping prophet. He wrote a book called Lamentations. The prophet Jonah, after he gets spit up from the whale, delivers his message to the city of Nineveh and then says to God, And now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Jesus himself, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before his crucifixion, tells his closest friends, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. The testimony of the Bible is that our struggles are real, and our struggles are shared by faithful men and women in the Bible, and even Jesus Christ himself. But in the midst of our struggles, there is hope. There is light in the darkness. There is always spring after the winter. I want to pause here and say that we as a church are serious about the topic of mental health. Our church and Hawaiian Islands Ministries have hosted a mental health conference for the last few years. The HIM YouTube channel has lots of free talks featuring experts on both adult and teen mental health, including many specifically addressing mental health during the pandemic. In a few weeks, the upcoming HIM annual conference will have multiple sessions on mental health. Let me say that I'm going to speak honestly today about depression. Jonah, Elijah, Jeremiah, they all struggled with despair and make reference to wishing that they were dead. None of them acted on their thoughts, but if you are having thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or experiencing a mental health crisis, please reach out for help. The number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. On Oahu, the local number is 832-3100 for Hawaii Cares. Both numbers are staffed 24 hours a day, seven days a week, with trained and experienced professionals to help you through a mental health crisis. I want to make sure that you have these numbers before we get started. Now, let's dive into the story of Elijah in 1 Kings 19. As we go through the passage, here are the points I'm going to make. One, be honest. Two, be kind to yourself. And three, you are not alone. 1 Kings chapter 19 follows the prophet Elijah into the wilderness and into a profound meeting with God. Elijah was a prophet who lived in Israel about 900 years before the birth of Jesus. Elijah confronted Ahab, the wicked king of Israel, and Ahab's idol-worshipping wife, Jezebel. In chapter 18, right before our passage, 
Elijah experiences a great triumph. There's a showdown. 450 prophets of the false idol Baal, who Jezebel worshipped, were on one side. And on the other side, there's just Elijah, representing Yahweh, our God. There's a challenge of whose God will appear and light the altar on fire. The 450 prophets of Baal fail miserably, but God comes through spectacularly and miraculously in an all-consuming fire. Immediately following that huge success, Elijah finds out that Jezebel still wants to kill him. Elijah is despondent and flees into the wilderness. 1 Kings 19.3 Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, he came to a broom bush sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Elijah sits down under a bush and prays that he might die. He says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm not a professional, but that to me sounds like depression. Elijah has lost hope. He's had enough. He feels like a failure. He's lying down in the wilderness under a bush. But what I want to point out here, the first lesson for us today, is Elijah's honesty. Point number one, be honest. Elijah is honest about how he feels. He doesn't hide from God how he feels. And the Bible doesn't hide from us how he feels. One of our church's core values is authenticity, which means that we value being real with each other and with God. We know that life isn't all rainbows, even here in Hawaii. I think some Christians, Christians think that you should always be smiling and upbeat and happy. They think the answer to the question, how you doing, is, I'm blessed. But the answer to the question, how you doing, isn't always, I'm blessed. Sometimes the answer is Elijah's answer. I have had enough, Lord. 11 months into COVID, I have had enough, Lord. I mentioned the prophet Jeremiah earlier, the weeping prophet. Jeremiah, like Elijah, kept it honest and real. I like to imagine bumping into the prophet Jeremiah at Costco and asking, how's it? And you know what Jeremiah would say? Jeremiah chapter 20, Jeremiah says, Cursed be the day I was born. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought my father the news, who made him that glad, saying, A child is born to you, a son. Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? Hey, Jeremiah, how's it? Cursed be my birthday, says Jeremiah. Cursed be the dude who told my dad, hey, your son was born. Hearing this, you might be shocked and thinking, well, that sure doesn't sound very Christian. Man, it doesn't get any more Christian than this. Jeremiah says this in the Bible. So we will read it and say, you know, sometimes I feel like that too. This is naked honesty before God. Our God is the God of the real world and real struggles, not Candyland. Jeremiah is honest. Jonah and David and Naomi and Jesus are honest. Elijah in our passage today is honest. So can we be honest with ourselves and with each other about how we really feel? Can we allow ourselves like Elijah to feel what we actually feel, even if it is shocking or ugly or hard? God doesn't judge Elijah. God doesn't tell him he shouldn't feel that way or to snap out of it or to just look on the bright side and count his blessings or pray harder. God hears Elijah's honesty. Point number one, be honest. 
Elijah is honest about how he is doing. Can we be honest today about how we're doing? Point two, be kind to yourself. Back to the passage. I've had enough, Lord, Elijah said. Take my life, I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some baked bread, some, be some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. This is one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. I love this passage so much. You know why? Elijah is despondent. He asks God to take his life, and you know what happens next? Elijah takes two naps. Two naps and two snacks. Elijah is honest with God, and he lies down and takes a nap. An angel comes by and gives him a snack. Elijah eats the snack and then lies down again and takes a second nap. Then an angel comes by again and gives him a second snack. Two naps and two snacks. How many of our problems could be solved if we just followed Elijah's approach to self-care? Two naps and two snacks. Can we see the gentleness and care that God has for Elijah? God sends an angel, and the angel isn't there to say, repent, or behold, or try harder. God sends an angel to care for Elijah's physical needs, for his exhaustion and his hunger. We are physical beings. Sometimes we act like the only solution to our problems should be spiritual. Pray harder, read your Bible. There's nothing wrong with that, of course. But we're not just spiritual beings. We are spiritual and physical beings. And sometimes the answer to our problem isn't just pray and read your Bible. Sometimes the answer is take a nap and have a snack. Sometimes it takes two naps and have two snacks. This is God's solution to Elijah's spiritual problem. God is kind to Elijah, and Elijah is kind to himself. He allows himself to be taken care of. He acknowledges his physical needs. He rests. And then he goes for a walk. Back to 1 Kings. So Elijah got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. After Elijah's two naps and two snacks, he regains his strength. Elijah then travels 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Horeb, also known as Mount Sinai, where Moses had met God centuries earlier. The period of 40 days and 40 nights has great significance in the Bible. The flood was 40 days and nights. Jesus is tempted in the desert for 40 days and nights. Our observance of Lent is 40 days and nights. But what I want to highlight here is not the spiritual significance of the 40 days and nights, but the very practical fact that Elijah goes for a walk. Elijah is not teleported to Mount Sinai. He walks every day. Numerous medical studies have found that just 20 minutes of exercise a day can improve your mood, your mental health, cognitive function, and healthy brain aging. You don't have to walk 194 miles like Elijah. Just walk around your block for 20 minutes every day. Researchers at the University of Toronto reviewed 30 medical studies that showed that just 20 minutes of light exercise, like walking or gardening, helps prevent depression. Take a nap, eat a snack, go for a walk. It's biblical. Can we allow God to care for us? Can we give ourselves permission to care for ourselves? Can we be kind and gentle to ourselves?
let me take this moment to congratulate you. You have survived more than 11 months in a life-altering global pandemic. You're here today participating in church. Those are big wins in my book. Congratulations, you're doing the best you can. Point number two, be kind to yourself. Point number three, you are not alone. Elijah has walked to a cave in Mount Sinai, and now he has a conversation with God. Let's return to the text. 1 Kings 19.9. There Elijah went into a cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put, prophets, put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. What are you doing here? God asked Elijah. God invites Elijah into conversation. Elijah relates with honesty the hard times that he's going through and the trouble he's seen. And then he says, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one left. Elijah feels alone. He believes that he is alone. For those of us who struggle with loneliness or isolation or with depression or other mental health issues, we feel alone. There remains stigma attached to mental illness that sometimes contributes to a sense of isolation. I wanted to speak today about mental health to try to reduce some of that stigma, especially within the church. In verse 10, Elijah says, I am the only one left. But eight verses later, listen to what God says in response to Elijah. In verse 18, God says to Elijah, Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Elijah, in his despair, believes a lie that he is all alone, that he's the only faithful one left, faithful one left. And God gently corrects that lie. God tells Elijah, you are not all alone. There are 7,000 who are just like you. If you feel alone today, let me tell you, you are not alone. There are thousands who are struggling with the same emotions as you today, struggling in the same way you are. You are not alone. Last fall, someone mentioned to me that they had taken an online depression quiz that week, and the results showed that they were moderately depressed. They didn't like that result, so they took the quiz again and changed their answers and got instead slightly depressed, which was more to their liking. This person is someone I admire, who is thoughtful and tough and smart and accomplished in a variety of ways. But their honesty about their hard time, that the hard time they were having, it helped me think about the hard time I was having. So I went and took an online depression assessment, and I came up as severely depressed. I've mentioned before that I've struggled with depression off and on for my entire adult life. I have lots of support, but depression is a chronic illness. Like other chronic illnesses, it's not cured, it's managed. Sometimes I do better, and sometimes I do worse at managing my depression. At the end of last year, I spiraled downwards into what was one of the worst depressive episodes of my life. I had a really, really hard time through November and December. For those of you wondering why you haven't seen me preach since October, that's why. It felt like I fell into a dark pit and I couldn't get out. For me, depression is like the nothing in the classic kids movie, The Never Ending Story. The nothing is this dark cloud that devours everything in its path. My energy, resilience, patience, motivation, interests, all consumed by the nothing. Depression is an unbearable psychological pain, an unrelenting weight that feels like a magnet pulling me down constantly. It feels like falling into a pit. 
When this person mentioned taking a depression quiz, it helped me. It helped me. It was encouragement to me that I was not alone. It was encouragement to me to be honest about how I was feeling and to lean into getting help. I'm sharing with you today about my depression because I hope my story helps you. I want to encourage you that you are not alone. You are not alone. Let's return to the text. After Elijah responds to God, God says the following to Elijah. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Elijah was familiar with God showing up in flashy ways. God showed up to Moses in the burning bush and in the previous chapter, in a fire during the confrontation with the prophets of Baal. He showed up in the storm and rain, but God as a gentle whisper was new to Elijah. As I struggled last year, I thought about a passage in C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters. Lewis writes about how sometimes God relies on the down periods of life to shape us more than the peaks. That God will remove his hand from us, and in those down periods, that's when we're really growing into the people he wants us to be. That in order for us to learn to walk, God has to take his hand away. That the most profound moments, that the most profound moment is when someone, quote, no longer desiring, but intending to do God's will, looks around upon a universe from which every trace of God seems to have vanished and asks why he has been forsaken and still obeys. I thought about my struggles as God removing his hand from me to teach me to grow and walk. In addition to using the app Pray As You Go, which I've mentioned before, I also started taking breaks throughout the day to listen to the Lectio 365 app and the Pause app, which are also guided prayer and devotional apps that I highly recommend. Lectio 365 and Pause. I spent time praying and in silence, but all I heard was silence. There was no miraculous epiphanies, just overwhelming silence. Then one day, I was listening to a podcast by Pastor Pete Scazzaro, and he mentioned this passage about Elijah. Scazzaro said, the actual Hebrew words in this passage don't actually translate to a gentle whisper or elsewhere a still, small voice. It's only translated that way because we have a hard time grasping the utterly intangible description of what the three Hebrew words here actually mean. In Hebrew, the three words are not a gentle whisper or a still small voice. It's the audible sound of a thin or fine silence. The NRSV translate, translates it like this. Now there is a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. A sound of sheer silence. That's where God was. God was not in the great wind or earthquake or fire or even in the gentle whisper or small voice. God was in the sound of sheer silence. God was in the audible sound of stillness. 
when we went to Mike Pilavachi's Soul Survivor Conference in England a few years back, what struck me the most was the silence in between and after worship songs. There were 2,000 people singing at the top of their lungs in the gigantic hall, but when the songs ended, there was this tremendous silence. No one yelling or clapping or saying amen, just 2,000 people in silence, waiting. The sound of sheer silence. God's presence was heavy and unmistakable in that silence. In the overwhelming silence that I experienced as I struggled, I realize now that maybe God hadn't withdrawn his hand from me after all. Instead, maybe God was right there in the silence all along. That God had always been there in the sound of sheer silence. You are not alone. After God's appearance to Elijah in the sound of sheer silence, the remainder of chapter 19 involves God giving Elijah a mission. God instructs Elijah to return and to anoint two different kings and to anoint Elisha as a prophet. What impresses me about this task is that God gives Elijah a purpose and a mission. Even in the shape that Elijah is in, God still wants to use Elijah to care for a world in need. And so it is with us. Jesus himself is a wounded healer, just like we are called to be wounded healers. God not only has a purpose for Elijah, but his mission forces Elijah to reach out to other people. God brings Elijah to Elisha, for whom he serves as a mentor for the rest of his life. So let's get back to this picture. Remember this picture? What I actually love about this picture isn't the ridiculousness of trying to fix a brick with a tiny piece of yellow tape or the ridiculousness of us trying to fix our lives in the same way. What I love about this picture is, this, is that someone added a caption online that reads, we're all focused on the yellow tape, but the real support holding that brick together are the other bricks surrounding it. The other bricks help it stay whole and not crumble. You are not alone. God surrounds you with his love and so do other people with their love. We are made to be in communion with God and community with each other. We are the support that holds each other together. We are all that broken brick at one point or another, and we need each other. God brings Elijah intentionally into the lives of other people, and God brings other people intentionally into the life of Elijah. Throughout the end of last year, I struggled, and I shared my struggles with people I knew cared about me and cared for me. I was honest with them, and they supported me so I wouldn't crumble to pieces. Pastor Dan and Pastor Steve took on my scheduled preaching dates to give me time and space to recover. Other people were incredibly generous with time and attention and encouragement. I leaned into my weekly small group. I scheduled regular and emergency appointments with a therapist. If you think it might be helpful, I encourage you to schedule an appointment with a mental health professional. Our church office keeps a list of recommended therapists on Oahu, some of whom are members of our church. Be aware that there may be a wait for an appointment given the increased demand these days. After the service today, I encourage you to stick around for a connect group or join one of the many groups meeting this week. Reach out. You are not alone. In early January, with the encouragement and support of people who love me and medical professionals, I began taking antidepressant medication for the first time in my life. Just like Elijah needed some rest and food for his physical body, maybe I just need a little extra serotonin in my brain. I'm not a doctor, so this is not a recommendation. It's just me trying to say to you, if you're considering medication or if you're on medication, you're not alone. At one of the, my lowest times last year, a friend told me, you know, I really like you a lot. I'd be bummed if you weren't around. 
We all need lots of bricks to surround us and hold us together. So wherever you are today, I want to tell you, I really like you a lot, and I'd be bummed if you weren't around. And more importantly, God really likes you a lot, and he would be bummed if you weren't around. At Christmas time, someone sent me the song Light of the World by Lorne Daigle. Never heard it, but I listened to it over and over again on repeat. It was a glimmer of light in the darkness to me. It's a Christmas song about Jesus, Emmanuel, a name which means God with us. Its message is just as appropriate now during Lent as we prepare to reflect on Jesus' resurrection, as we anticipate Jesus, God with us, Emmanuel, the light in our darkness, the spring after our winter. The lyrics to Light of the World are, in part, the world waits for a miracle, the heart longs for a little bit of hope. O come, O come, Emmanuel, God with us. A child prays for peace on earth and she's calling out from a sea of hurt. O come, O come, Emmanuel. He, Jesus, is the song for the suffering. He is Messiah. The Prince of Peace has come. He has come, Emmanuel, God with us. For all who wait, for all who hunger, for all who've prayed, for all who wonder, behold your king, Emmanuel, glory to the light of the world. Amen? Amen. Chris, great, great word. We really needed to hear that, especially during this time of, of the pandemic. You know, and we think about how Jesus is the light of the world. And, and so I want to say, first of all, if you're going through a tough time, as Chris mentioned, you know, reach out to somebody. You connect with one of our connect groups today. Just hit that button and you'll be assigned to a, uh, a group with one of our staff members just to talk over the sermon and, and uh, all the impact of it. And, you know, we have other groups during the week of small groups. We'd love to have you join us. And, and if you're going through a very dark time, don't forget that hotline number that uh, Chris mentioned, and maybe we could put it in the, in the chat right now. But for some of you, this might be a moment when you're saying, okay, things are really dark, and I really want to um, dedicate my life to Jesus. If that, that means that I'm not alone and Jesus is with us all the time, I'd like to follow this God. And so let me, let me lead us in a, in a prayer for all of us, okay? Join me. Lord, first of all, thank you so much for that message from Chris. It was so needed for all of us. And Lord, I know there's some here who are going through a really difficult time, and maybe this is the tipping point. They've been on the fence for some time, and they're saying, you know what? I want to dedicate my life to this Jesus who can really give me hope, who can be the light of the world in my times of darkness. I want to follow him, and I want to dedicate my life to him. And if there's a person here out there who's feeling that and is willing to say, Jesus, if you're real, I want to follow you, then if you could just say this prayer with me right now. Just to say, Lord, sorry that I may have ignored you for a while, but I want to say thank you. Thank you for knowing what I'm going through. Thank you that you too, Lord, went through some difficult times when you are here on earth. And I want to ask you to come into my life. And I, I want to follow you and you be my Lord. And I, I really want to learn more about you and, and follow your, your principles of life and realize that you are God. 
So please come into my life. Holy Spirit, come. And for those who are already Christians and maybe they want to renew that commitment and be pointed toward that North Star again or more or toward the Bethlehem Star, that they might just say with me a short prayer saying, Lord, man, I want to recommit my life to you and I really want to follow you and thank you for hearing my prayers. Thank you for forgiving my sins and please replenish me and Holy Spirit come upon me and soak me with your presence. And for all those who might have a spiritual or physical or emotional need, I pray for healing for them right now in the name of Jesus Christ. May their spirits be lifted. May their bodies be healed. May they draw close to you. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, you know, if you said that prayer to commit your life to Christ or recommit your life to Christ, you'll notice on your screen there's a commit button. And if you just hit that right now, um, a wonderful person in prayer will join you and just have a time of prayer with you. And so if you want to hit that button of committing your life, or there's a prayer button too, just hit that and, and somebody will confidentially listen to you and, and then uh, pray with you. And that would be really awesome. And now for all of you, I want to give a blessing. And uh, before many of you might hit that connect group button and, and join others to talk about this very powerful sermon. But receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. His countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Know that Jesus is the light of the world and he can bring light into your darkness. In Christ's name, amen. Aloha and ahui ho. Sometimes we're the ones needing help. Sometimes we're the ones who come alongside our friends and family and give the support. Which brick are you today? If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Prez website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Normally, we gather on Sundays at our Ko'olau campus or at The Vine in Kaka'ako. But for now, you can find the entire church service streamed online on the church websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. For our virtual church service, click the online church box at our regular church service times. Sunday morning at 8, 9.30 and 11.11 for First Prez and Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. for The Vine. Be sure to check your email for links to sermons, church news and updates, and daily devotionals. If you have any questions or needs, you can always reach the church through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2021 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.